Welcome to BGD Liming Live, where we bring you the Indo-Caribbean perspective around identity and culture. With over 12,000 supporters digitally worldwide and tons of online content, we are bringing it to life and having real, authentic conversations that are long overdue. Indo-Caribbean feminism and sexploitation went hand-in-hand during the indentureship period and continued as women adjusted to their new lives in the Caribbean. For those who migrated, they felt there was more to gain than to lose. Leaving India gave women the opportunity to recreate their lives without the pressure of family and husbands or the confinements of the caste system and other societal infrastructures. Most women traveled alone as they were often some of the most vulnerable members of society. Those living in poverty, fleeing abusive relationships, widows, and prostitutes, they were preyed on as recruits. Going to the Caribbean meant taking their futures into their own hands. They would be able to earn their own money and provide for themselves. Their lives could not be dictated by anyone else. As non-conforming women, they broke the expectation of needing husbands or male family members to provide for and protect them. This, in a sense, could be seen as an early step in liberation for Indian women, but as they made their way on board the ships, being alone made them susceptible to sexual exploitation. Hey everybody, it's Ashley, Tiara, and Stephanie of the Brown Gale Diary, and we are here and back with another episode of our Liming Live podcast. I'm sure you guys have already heard that first snippet um, at the beginning of the podcast, and you're probably wondering what we're going to be talking about today. So today, we are going to explore how we believe Indo-Caribbean feminism has been challenged today versus the way that it was challenged during the Indo- uh, the indentureship. I think it's going to be a really great conversation because we are able to think about our experiences, think about the things that we go through, our mothers go through, our aunts go through, and even the things that our grandparents went through, and really compare it to that foundation of how it helped us become the women that we are. Yeah, um, I think I think it's really, really good that we're going to sit down and talk about this because I feel like I was just speaking about this yesterday, actually, with my partner. We were sitting in Starbucks and I was trying, I, you know, I was just mapping out ideas for, for a project that I'm working on, like a writing piece that I'm working on. And I really wanted it to be based on my grandparents, like my both my grandmother's experiences. And just comparing the two of them, they were very different from one another. My dad's mom was definitely not the traditional Indo-Caribbean woman. Um, just, just to, you know, like everything I know about her, like she, she didn't get married to my grandfather, um, until she was, I think 32, which for, for the times that was not, you know what I mean? Like that was just well, not normal. Like the same, Cause my grandma, <laughs> both my grandmas are actually very different too. Yeah. Right. I never thought about it until you just mentioned that. So she didn't get married until she was like 31 or 32, um, my grandparents, you know, they, they didn't work out. She left the marriage after about a year and a half, um, and then decided to come to Canada. So she left my dad with her parents and, and came, you know, came up here, uh, and, and started her life and ended up meeting, you know, her, her husband, like my dad's stepfather. And this was, you know, just something that she went and did on her own. Um, again, like not necessarily your, your uh, traditional woman in that sense. Whereas my mom's mom was very traditional, very, you know, she got married young. She had, you know, she had her kids. Um, 
uh, they they came here, were still together, and even when even when their marriage didn't go well um, and was obviously falling apart, she still tried to stay in the marriage instead of just you know leaving at any point. Um, she really still carried on those like those very um, traditional like wife mother you know Indo-Caribbean woman uh, values and and traditions in that she's she's very old school in that sense even even to this day yeah and I guess on that topic and on that discussion of you know things even like when we think about our experiences like I when I think about my grandmother's experience um there's a lot of things that we weren't allowed to speak about like of her experiences that she didn't want us to talk about yeah um or she didn't want to discuss because it was very it wasn't it wasn't was it taboo yeah basically yeah it was basically like taboo of indo-caribbean culture right so tiara um let's let's go back a bit and and maybe go back to the first snippet of information that we had at the beginning of the podcast because that came from a piece that you did for brown girl diary called indo-caribbean feminism and sexploitation uh that was released in september of 2020 and a lot of the resource and information that you pulled from was Koli Woman, which is a staple for all Indo-Caribbeans in general, and really understanding that indentured experience and how it kind of laid a foundation. So did you want to jump into that and give people a background? Yeah, definitely. Um, so there, I mean, there's so many layers to this, but like I, you know, like I kind of started off with that snippet is, you know, even when uh, Indian women left, left India originally, they were some of the the most vulnerable people in the society. A lot of women who, you know, got on those boats were living in poverty. As I said, they were fleeing, you know, either abusive relationships, relationships they weren't happy with. They might have been widows. They might have been prostitutes. So for the recruiters who were looking for women, and I think, you know, something that I, this may or may not be common knowledge, but there was a huge... Um, there was a huge lack of women who took an interest in in indentureship to begin with. There was um, there was a quota that was enacted and a lot on of them the ships. Were forced onto the ships too. Yeah, like, in some cases they were kidnapped. And... Exactly. So in order to in order to meet the quotas um, on the ships, because after the first couple had left, the the feedback was the the ratios between men to women were just com- like extremely low. Um, it wasn't even close to to even ha- like fifty percent. Um, so they they had to the recruiters had to fill those quotas and make sure there was a certain percentage of women um, in relation to men before that ship left because there was way too many I, there was way too many men and obviously no women who could uh, potentially be partners with them. So if that so meant that they lied to them, they tricked them, uh, like we just said, they kidnapped people it, it and, you know, sold them whatever story ultimately would get them on the ship, that, like, that is what they did. And, you know, even in the case of Kuli woman, um, like, Gayucha Bahadur, she talks about the fact that her her grandmother, great-grandmother, was traveling on the ship, one by herself, and two pregnant, she was, like, four or five months pregnant, no husband, um, completely by herself. So you can, you can already see how there are so many vulnerabilities within 
this this woman and that is that was common there were women who were by themselves and pregnant and to not have even a male family member let alone a husband is extremely uncommon for the time um because women were just they were expected to always have somebody you know of course a male with them they weren't ex- they were not you know it just wasn't normal to just be so independent and on your own but the way things were were you know proposed to them was really sold that idea of independence and especially the finances which is what they sold to to men as well is that you you were going to get land and money and things like that which is what they people sold them wanted independence exactly like they convinced them that mm-hmm. this was a much safer space than south asia and they probably had a better chance of being able to support themselves so if if women were fleeing at the time chances are i mean put yourself in that position right and i think that's one of the biggest things that we can do to this um within this um conversation is think about yourself in that position imagine you're pregnant and you're being beaten and you're being abused um and you want to get away like if somebody tells Mm -hmm. you oh leave with us you're gonna get land you're going to get this you're going to get that you're gonna go and somebody promises you this this world and sells you this this dream almost the you know kind of like the the american dream so to speak exactly that we're all familiar with that was ultimately even sold to our grandparents that's what got most of them here to to canada or even to to the u.s is we we all had this this you know idea of there was this american dream there was this better life better opportunity better chance to to earn money and have more etc etc so those were the um, like the insecurities that they preyed on upon people, knowing that you know many people were were on lower in the caste system, so therefore they obviously weren't necessarily wealthy. And who you know who wouldn't want to take the opportunity to imp- you know improve their life or you know put a better future for their family if if so be it. Nobody nobody would would say no to that. Even to the you know society that we live in today, people still immigrate all around the world with the that in their mind with the prospect of a better life somewhere else. So aside from that that point on you know the opportunities to to have a new life and a better life was again like really that that liberation and those options to to make decisions for themselves and things that nobody could really nobody could really argue them once once people got to the caribbean a lot of the the systems that were coming from india for example the the caste system which i think you know most of us are familiar with people did do people did try of course to uphold those things but it was very difficult because in a lot of cases everyone everyone was claiming to be from this caste and from that caste and and whatnot because i mean at that point who could really who could really say otherwise or or hold you accountable and again with that with that um quota and that that that, um number difference between men and women it left women with a lot more options if you were unhappy with the partner that you arrived to the island with i mean there there were way more men than women and you could leave you could leave and if somebody was making more money if you just didn't didn't care to be with the partner anymore you you know somebody else was was doing it for you then you could do that there was a who like who was going to to stop you you could do that and so despite women having these options and having that freedom 
um, of no one to stop them. It it did unfortunately come with with violence at times because again with that ratio being so uneven and you know women being in demand in so many different ways, if, if for to have someone leave, people got angry like husbands boyfriends partners whatever whatever they might have been whatever the relationship might have been they got angry and in some cases it led to to violence against the women whether uh, i was physical of some sort sexual violence of some sort they they did take out their frustrations and that was something that unfortunately women did have to contend with um when when they made those choices that sometimes a partner could react very negatively and this is something that i mean there there were so many instances of this when we read Cooley Woman. There was um, a woman who got her nose cut off and there was other instances that I, I mean, I, I don't remember the specifics because it has been a while since I read the book, but other people who got attacked um, by their partner with a cutlass and they, they came trying to chop or cut or do something to them. Um, and it's it's scary. It's scary and it's just, it's really, um, it's really just, tragic at the same time to think that just for exercising such a such a simple um such a simple right to thing. choose yeah your right yeah. to choose exactly <laughs> thank you <laughs> i know i was kind of i was kind of blanking on that there but yeah just to exercise a simple right it could possibly cost you your life and in some women's case it did cost them their life and in some of these cases actually went to court because they you know were a violation of of law of course um how far and how well they were treated in the court was you know debatable as per the times but some of them some of them did get to that point as well yeah definitely and i think if we remove the men and and the way that the men reacted in these situations and we just think about the woman's experience right like all the things that she went through she first was living in a in a difficult situation in india then she was alone then she's traveling on this boat alone um looking for somebody to protect her probably a male figure for whatever you know whatever um strength that they held as men and then you get here and you're also alone as women we actually held all the power if you think about it right indo-caribbean or indian women at the time before they were indo-caribbean women they were the ones that were holding all the power and there were less women than there were men which meant that the women held way more power because the men were more vulnerable to these women. They needed them, right? And there was only so many to go around. And I think we do even see that in the book where women, a lot of women, they escaped, that they were in a bad situation or they were pregnant and they wanted to leave. They were able to find another man. And I think this was a, a interesting topic as well in the book where there were men who were willing to take care of children that were not their own. And in Indo-Caribbean culture, I think it's not, it's not unseen, but it's definitely something that is not celebrated in the Indo-Caribbean community. So it's it's interesting to see that in the book and and how women were able to kind of like challenge their feminism and, and use it in different ways. But again, a lot of that did come with violence. And when we think about like modern day, and when I think about modern day, I see like both of these two ideas being challenged and being viewed in different ways. A lot of women stick to it the traditional lifestyle right and they stick to the abuse and they stick to you know like listening to what a man has to say and and letting the man lead their life and then there's other women who are totally against it so for example like your grandmother who didn't get married until she was a little bit older mm -hmm. and even my grandmother like she was divorced and for a long time we weren't allowed to talk about it but 
in that time, when they're like 25 years old, what is that? Then not even the 60s, probably just early 60s. That's not something that was common in our communities. So women doing these things, like a lot of them challenged the ideas that were born through the indentureship. Um, but at the same time, again, like I said, we see a lot of women who are also kind of just conforming to it and just living that specific lifestyle. And I think, I mean, specifically for us as people who run Brown Gale Diary, I think we're really trying to challenge those like stereotypes and those stigmas. And that's even like where we were born is through, um, in terms of like Brown Gale Diary being born, is through the stigmas that exist and through those negative stereotypes and through the abuse and through the violence and all these things that we think that we have to fall into. Um, and again, like this is thinking about things like modern day now and how it relates back to the history. Um, but yeah, I just think that there, there were a lot of stigmas and stereotypes that were either challenging. We see a lot of women challenging or a lot of women who are just falling for it and, and don't have the strength yet to like push through it or see the liberation that these Kuli women through that book did have. One thing that I noticed when we talk about Indo-Caribbean women and, and their experience a lot, it's always, always, always connected to a relationship. That is true. <laughs> and Why'd you have to look at me like that? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. We were because we were just talking about it. No, it's kind I of know. funny. But it's anyway. Funny. Um Yeah, and I just think that we we when the way that I want us to really think about this experience is powerful women um challenging themselves and like being stronger than than a than a relationship than a man because once that becomes all of you then you really you become very weak right like once your relationship becomes all of you then you become very weak and i think what we see through Koli women a lot is a lot of independent women mm-hmm. that were now like challenging the system or like the constructs that existed within India and now they're coming here for this new life. And they weren't defined by the men in their lives either, whoever those men might have been. Well, think about also the reason they got on the boat. It was to be partners to men. For no other reason were they being brought over other than that there was too many men. But women had their own mindset, right? Like they came with a mindset that they were going to be independent. And again, they were being sold on that quote unquote, I mean, obviously not at the time, but that American dream that they could have for themselves, could have for them children. And they were escaping something that was much, much worse. But again, like thinking about that in, in the perspective of now, when, and we were talking about this before, like a lot of women still do follow like traditional lifestyles and feel strengthened by their, by their role to like cook or to clean. And yeah, and I feel strong as, as just for the sake of being a woman, right? Like when I think about myself and when I think about my life, I think about it in multiple different, I think about all my roles, right? Like my role is not subjected to just being a wife or a girlfriend, right? It's a part of my role, but I'm also a mother and I'm also a founder or CEO and I'm also, you know, a, a, a professional in a specific industry. So when I think about who I am and where my strength comes from, it comes from all these different roles. And when I think about even the way that I was brought up, right? My, the women that I'm surrounded by are very, very powerful women. Like very, very, they're very independent. They, the last thing that they've ever taught me is to need a man. So even when we think about these topics, I think naturally I think about it as like the woman herself and not the woman in the relationship. And that's again, like why I'm so committed in this topic to not talk about the woman in the relationship, <laughs> right? I don't know why. It's just like that's something the first that place really, everyone goes. That's the first exactly that's the first place that everybody goes, right? So 
again, like thinking about the women that I grew up with, they're very, they're very independent. They do not need a man. And I've always been that way. Our grandparents always taught us, you know, if, if you can't do it yourself, like don't expect other people to do it for you. Like you have to the same life. I told you, like (laughs) I told you, we really are living the same life because that's how my mom was. That's how my aunts are. Like they rather us lean on them than to ever feel the need. I mean, of course, in some contexts, you know, you lean on your partner and it's a lot of trust. But at the same time, in certain areas of my life, I shouldn't feel like I have to go to that person or something is impossible. I know that I can do anything myself. Um, my partner is just an added bonus. Um, and, and again, like when I... No, it sounded bad, but it's kind of true. <laughs> it is. Like, I'm sorry, funny. but I don't need you. Like, I love you, but I like I could do it without no, you. No, no, I, I, no, I, I totally agree. And it's just like, because you have to be good on your own. Like... Whether whether you have absolutely nobody, whether it's a friend, a family member, a partner, whatever, you have to be good on your own. Because at and the I, end and of the day, like exactly that's, that. And I think we see that is. with a lot of the women that were spoken about in Kuli Woman. If we again take away from the violence and the vulnerability, I think it's also a lot of strength. They made like, it happen. They exactly they made it mm-hmm. happen. They did it for their. A lot of them did it again for themselves, of course, but they also did it for their children, like. How are they going to give their child a better life? Like, what are they going to do? Um, and again, like I said, like we hear this from our grandmothers and our great grandmothers because they know how hard it actually was to get to the points that we're at. So, I mean, of course, like, you know, there, there's a lot of things traditionally that we can question. But at the same time, there's a lot of things traditionally that we have to respect or else we wouldn't be able to be, you know, have the strength that we have now. And in terms of respecting that tradition, I think we also have to remember where it came from and what people were doing at the time, which was a lot of things came out of a survival instinct. You, you know, women traditionally weren't working. You were, you know, you lived under your husband's home. You're, you're with your in-laws. That was very common um, in India. And your job was to cook, clean, take care of the house and the children. But you weren't necessarily um, earning any money. So if you left that home, you didn't have you didn't have money or like a means for survival. So people, you know, people made choices as a survival instinct, um, even to when women got to the Caribbean, being able to leave a partnership that you weren't happy with. um, And whether that was because another partner was earning more money because of the position they were in, you just genuinely had a better connection with somebody these were these were things that just happened in terms of the survival at the time like you know in general our people were in a position where they were being oppressed obviously and they had to create relations um you know relationships not necessarily always out of you know a a love or something like that but they had to create relations that were going to sustain them in the situations that we're in whereas now you know for for us as women we we're coming from a very different a very different society a very different experience we're not you know you you don't make the choices you make out of pure survival if you're choosing to go back to school and get a master's it's because you want to do that if you wanted to go and start a business is because you want to do that yes i mean we have to sustain ourselves naturally you need money because that's society but the choices that we make are for ourselves at least for the most it, part it's nowadays. not the sole determining factor yeah of like it's why not based on you know what's my what's my next meal or what's going to keep me safe 
Well, um, I mean, give or take. Like, yeah, it's a luxury in a, in a sense. To yeah, be able to, exactly. To make the choice to I think spend money and go back to school, even though maybe you've already been there. Maybe I, you already work a job. I mean, give or take. Like, I think I know what you mean. Like, it's not yeah. as critical as it was in yes. the past. We definitely have more supports now and more protection now. Like, obviously, like, the government systems and, and you know, like, colonial structures can be criticized for a really, really, really long time and a really long podcast, but not today. <laughs> but Yeah, that's different. that's different. But I think, like, we do have more space to actually be the people that we want to be as Indo-Caribbean women. Speaking about space, like, it is still a luxury to be able to have the space, even where I am, to to be able to go to school twice and have that funded and have the money to do that and the space to do that. Um, when I look at, at my grandmother, for example, um, she comes from those more traditional beginnings where, you know, they were sort of arranged, like, voluntold to, that they were going to be married. <laughs> um, and she has been waiting on my grandfather for a very long time you know she's the type that's gonna get up 7 a.m cook food fresh every day my grandfather won't eat leftovers he's used to that fresh food every day because she she spoiled him in that way right um i remember it being you know groundbreaking earth shattering when my mother wanted to go to sewing school and my grandfather didn't want to let her. My dad at the time, like he had to come over and, and convince my grandfather that she'd be okay. Like he would walk her to the sewing school, you know, even though it wasn't wow. that far away and she'd be safe, right? From those very, very like, I don't know, tight traditional beginnings. And then like, I remember when I was younger, maybe like 11, I told my grandmother she was living with us uh, here at the time. And she, I told her that I wanted to go do cake decorating because it just, they look so beautiful. Every time we'd go into Michael's, I saw the classes <laughs> going on and that's something I wanted to do. Um, and she actually put forth whatever little bit of money she had so that I could go and do those classes, oh. right? Which is like, again, it's a luxury. It's something I'm able to do because, you know, we're, we've moved from now Guyana to Canada. I was born in Canada. I'm the first to be born in Canada, right? And it was, I don't know, it was nice to have her her support in being able to move forward and doing something for me. It's not out of survival, it's purely out of my own interest to forward what I wanna do. But I think a lot of that too does come, like a lot of the conversations we have with our grandmas or the support that we get from them or any of those things come from their, again, like what you were saying to you are like their survival and their fear of us being like having to go through the same things that they went through. So by providing those pathways for us is actually their liberation. And it's like transcending through us because they obviously mm -hmm. kind of like, you know, like I remember when I first got pregnant, my grandma um, was like, you know, I just thought you were going to do all the things that I wasn't able to do. Yeah, it was actually really sad, but it well, was like, it, it was sad, but I was like, well, I'm not even worried because I guess in her mind, when I got pregnant, that meant something different to her than it did to me at the time. Like for me, it was different a stigma from a different time. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Like for me, it was actually, it made me a lot stronger, but I guess like in her mind, it's like, it's limiting you. Right. Because at that time when she was growing up and becoming a mother, um, that's what it was. But now things are a lot different. Right. So when we look at how feminism within the Indo-Caribbean community is, um, working its way or it's growing, 
um, I mean, not everybody, people are still breaking out of those stigmas, but we do see a lot of our, our grandparents and our parents providing different opportunities for us so we can live different lives, you know? They might not be voicing it in certain ways, but there are definitely ways that they are trying to create those opportunities from uh, for us. And those are the ways that they're trying to break their generational trauma. We might be doing it in different mm-hmm. ways and things that they don't realize that they might be doing wrong now. <laughs> <laughs> but their way of breaking that trauma is allotting us more opportunity because when you really think about it, they didn't have much. Yeah. I think it's also worth noting too is like when we, if you really think about it, um I mean to the to the beginning of the indenture period just throwing that that history that history note back. I mean it it, <laughs> it hasn't even been 200 full years since indenture began, let alone I mean it the 100 year anniversary of the abolition was I think only just a uh, two or three years ago. So we're only you know, mm-hmm. a century removed from abolition of that whole system itself. So there's still, I mean, you know, you think about it, it's a hundred years. It feels we're, long. We're still creating the history. Like yeah. We're, it, I always not, say that, like, we are, over. we are creating the textbooks. We are creating all these different mm-hmm. things, right? Like, we're creating the history. It's actually not even been developed yet. A hundred years in, it's not that long. And, um, yeah, I think even when we think about the relationships of Indo-Caribbean women, um, it's it's it exists a lot like within our families right like how we interact with the women in our families or how we support one another as indo-caribbean women like well i mean it's getting a lot better it may have not been that great before (laughs) but it's definitely getting a lot better but we do find a lot of strength from the women in our communities now right which is very very i think comes from the foundation of um what indo-caribbeanism was in the beginning and I really like um, that point too that that Ashley was just talking about there about the relationships and the relationships within the Indo-Caribbean community, um, you know, as us as women, because aside from our family um, and having those bonds to be able to rely on getting to connect with other women, you know, in our community, in our cities that we can collaborate with and create really awesome things with. I mean, that's like, that's how we're going to make those make like make those um moves and take take those uh things that we want to accomplish to the next step like when i when i uh published two times removed last year getting to to you know connect with a group of women and share stories and that's really how the book even came about i had just connected with a few women on like instagram and we were sharing our work with one another and um you know everyone had a, a, an amazing voice and, and a story that they wanted to tell and that was really even my goal with the book it's just you know write whatever story you want to tell because whatever story you have and whatever is important to you I mean those are the things that we have to pass on and having that had that a whole experience and created that little uh you know writing community and people that we can kind of bounce ideas off of each other or you know send a message if if you know you need uh to bounce an idea feedback whatever the case is it went a really long way and it wasn't even something I really knew I was doing at the time but it just it turned out to be so much better than what I had imagined and now there's this community of really awesome women um who are who are so talented and outside of just their you know abilities to write they all have so much um different things and and work that they do on their own that is extremely admirable so all in all i think that you know it's international women's month and 
we are surrounded by so many powerful and like you said, Tiara, admirable women in the no Caribbean community. And we're seeing that grow more and more and more every single day. And I think a lot of our um, motivation comes from that indentureship and through that experience. And every time we put something out, I think that's always in the back of our mind. What did these women do and how did they provide a pathway for us? Regardless of if we agree with the experiences or the decisions that were made or not, um, I think that it is a big part of who we are and it's just always important to remember and to pull from and to learn. So, you know, plug in promo here. Make sure you guys get Coley Woman. It's an amazing book and it really is a great staple um, to just kind of get a background of like what it was like for Indo-Caribbean women um, through the indentureship and how you can relate to that on your own. Um, so like I said, all in all, everybody, thank you so much for listening in. Be sure to follow us on all our platforms, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, sign up for our email list, you know, stay up to date with everything going on. We have a bunch of events coming up. Um, so many amazing things happening with Brown Gale Diary this year. So again, thank you guys so much for your support and until next time, take care everyone.